1: Hello and welcome to Zero Today. I am your humble host, Dr. Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you what sees of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation. We are promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming. And as always, we are here to empower you, our listeners, to knowing and impacting the world around us. And as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. There's several ways you can do so. We invite you to join us on all of our social media. We're on Twitter, at Zira Radio. That's the show handle, at Lorenzo T. Neal, my personal handle. Also, look us up on Facebook, the Zira Network, and Dr. Lorenzo T. Neal. We thank you so much for all your support. Thank you for everything you're being, you've done to help make this show very successful. And we invite you to continue to like follow share everything you can think about you can do we appreciate it so much Mm -hmm. thank you for all that you're doing and have done and will do we're grateful so today i really want to talk about something that's uh, troubling as well as empowering at the same time um i didn't get a chance to do a show uh, in the last couple of weeks, there's been a lot going on and If you've been following the news, you heard of the domestic terrorism that has once again inflicted um harm and emotional trauma on our country, the shootings that happened in El Paso, Texas, and the shootings that happened in daytona uh I'm sorry dayton ohio and now well. While well, there are a number of shootings that happen daily. There are an average, uh, statistically, there's an average of 100 persons killed in acts of gun violence every day in America and hundreds more wounded um, through gun violence. Because I, I do advocacy on this, it, it was really grieving to me. But perhaps what grieves me more about both those recent incidents uh mass shootings that make national news and, and let me let me say this um uh, there are a lot of shootings that never make the news there are a lot of mass shootings that don't make the sh- news so, you know uh statistically in order to be counted as a mass shooting only four victims have to be involved and they don't all have to be dead it's just that just means that at least four four individuals were inflicted with gun wounds in some capacity and um and so a lot of that a lot of those stories don't make national headlines um they may make you know local headlines or regional news lines but they don't make a lot of the national headlines and so we, we've we've kind of kind of gone uh, gotten how can i put it um complacent in hearing the news it's it's almost n- numbing to us you know we, we it's just another news story someone getting injured someone dying or whatever it may be and um we we we've gotten numb to it i believe we should never get numb to any type of violence gun violence domestic violence assault of any kind um any crime against another human being should grieve us and I know that may be a stretch for some, but when you see us as brother and sister, we are created all in Dei, created in the image of God. Whether you're a believer or non-believer, we are humans first. And it's that humanity we should connect with. And anytime we bring harm against another human being, it should grieve us And verbal, emotional physical, uh, mental, all of that, Not, we, we should be grieving, and I, I will be the first to say that I have contributed to that, and I have com- been, I have been a complicit in, um, knowing where it's happening, and being silent about it's happening, and, um, uh, it, it, I, we still have to do, do something about it, and we can't prevent violence like that, we can it's preventable. It, we can't end it, I dare not say we can end it, but we can sure prevent it more frequently <laughs> than it is um anyway i'm I'm dropping stuff around on on the desk I was fidgeting <laughs> yeah. but um so these two recent shootings both stemmed from ideologies that all of us are have been influenced by in one way or another you know there are those who are in the case of the shooting in el paso were driven by this seemingly uh... crisis of immigration uh, illegal immigration and what we've seen happening in the border where we've seen persons attempting to um, cross borders in in improper manner we the separation of families detainees uh, ice raids across the country recently here in mississippi and so those persons perceiving that to be a problem uh... for more fair-skinned brothers and sisters not just (laughs) how more our non-melanated brothers and sisters Uh, and they're taking that message and saying well we have to do something about it and in this case this person took Went to the extreme measure of traveling uh, at least six hours in the drive, probably more than that, but at least six from uh, his home in Dallas, Texas, all the way down to El Paso, with the intent of causing harm. And according to the news narrative, he got lost and he got lost and stumbled upon a Walmart and just began to take out his. His whatever it whatever was driving him at that moment, and as far as we know, uh, at least twenty twenty persons or more, twenty two lost their lives, and dozens more were injured. And not even not even ten hours later, or maybe less than it was definitely less than twenty four hours later, he had another person who, whatever reason. Also driven by ideology, um, some would consider more progressive, more liberal leaning, um, whatever it may have been, uh, took out his angst on a crowded scene in a crowded nightclub or a crowded area. Went so far as um, taking the life of his own sister. It's things like we, it, those is it's things like that's very very hard for us to process and understandably so because it is inhumane and I know we talk about inhumane conditions when it comes to things like uh, federal detention or prisons and things like that or inhumane when it comes to the care and treatment of animals or things like that but it's inhumane to think that you can have so much angst hate or uh... illicit ideology driving you to commit crimes against um, humanity including your own sister and we were all grieving and we will still be grieving for those families those who are uh... directly impacted and those that community that are indirectly impacted by those crimes and not just the crimes that made the news that weekend but um the rise of the sentiment is both of the nationalist sentiment and uh I guess you can call it the socialist sentiment on both perspectives and the the, the extremes. The rise in this is is it's very scary to me. I um politically I am uh a centrist, uh Pretty much, I am center right. Um, I I am conservative on some things. I'm a little bit liberal and progressive on some things, both socially and and um, economically, physically, all that stuff. That every individual has that construct, you know. So we there is no monolithic group, but but we're finding that there's um, seeming to be this creative. This creation for this monolithic group, this group think that if you do not think like we think, um, yeah, then you got to go against this. And I, I think about the story in the Gospels where the disciples came to Jesus and said, Jesus, there are people who are uh, doing all this stuff in our name, and you're the only one, you know, we're the only one that's supposed to be doing that you gave us that authority how are they doing it and they don't have the authority that we have and jesus said well if they're not against us then leave them alone and the same thing happened and and of course i'm paraphrasing that please understand that is not how it is in scripture (laughs) that that is not how it is in scripture i'm just paraphrasing it um or summarizing it i guess you can say and then you have another account where in the book of acts um The Jews bring um, for accusations against these persons, proclaiming uh, Jesus of Nazareth in the manner of uh, a Messiah and all of that. And one of the leaders of the group said, well, well, why would you stop them? We can't. Stop them if we don't know if it's of God or not. We we we're unable to fully determine that. Let him, it, if it's of God, God will take care of it. God will do it. And, and again, you know that may not be <laughs> an accurate rendering of that. Uh, so please don't hold that against me. Um, you know, but if you read your Bible, you'll find it. It's it's in there, <laughs> in in the Book of Acts. But I um, we are actually getting. In a world we are in a world that um oh not a world well yeah actually this is this is a worldwide phenomena. we're seeing nationalist movement across the globe, we're seeing it in uh especially in Europe. Europe is having a major nationalist movement as more migrants come from northern Africa into the region or as more uh refugees come from the middle east, Syria, Iran and places like that and and, and this this is creating a, a tension unlike I- any seen in recent history. And that's always been conflict and border conflicts and uh cultural, ethical, eth- ethnical conflicts we've seen that we can, you know, we don't have to think back too far. Uh, to think s- to see things like that. But the rise of nationalism, a nationalist movement across the globe, even in Africa, we're seeing it really, really damaging in Africa, and it's not making the news as much as those movements in Europe and here in the states. But even in Africa, we're seeing a uh, uh, some something similar to a nationalist kind of move, where uh, particularly in the Congo, in both. Congo, <laughs> both Congos, where that those who are Muslims and those who are uh, for um, uh, national government, and they're 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 going in, and they're they're terrorizing their own people, and even in Cameroon, we're finding it is happening, and, and it's it's not so much as based in Cameroon, it's not so much national identity as much as it is lingual you know, English-speaking versus French-speaking and all of that, I'm, and that's crazy. It conjures up uh, the the memories of the Protestant versus the Catholic <laughs> wars in England. and But all of it to say that we're seeing this in real time is scary. It's scary because... We know that the narrative most of the narrative that's driving this is disjointed in in of itself it's it's not authentic it's not true it's not facts driven it's emotional it's you have uh you have an emotional argument presented as facts and this sense of l- a loss or a losing of identity, it is, is it's crazy, you know. Now, there's always, you know, I hear it all the time. Christians saying, "Well, I'm a Christian before I'm I'm American. I'm a Christian before I'm black. I'm a Christian before I'm white." But at the same time, there are a lot of Christians white and black who are <laughs> antagonizing each other because of their skin color they're particularly here in the in the United States we have primarily white evangelical christians who are the antagonists of this nationalism this sense of national identity this sense of making america great again in their in their narrative and from their perspective making america great again is making america a white christian country again and that's always been mythological It's never been uh monolithically uh, unanimously a christian country and and i know there are plenty who defend that our founding fathers were christians and built on built our country and the constitution on christian judeo christian values and 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 there are a whole lot of counter-arguments to that that will, will say, no, they weren't. You know, we know, factually, for example, Thomas Jefferson was more a deist than a Christian. We know Thomas Jefferson, <laughs> he, he, he revised, he created his own Bible with the Gospels reflecting the en- Enlightenment perspectives. And, and, you know, basically... Wiping out miracles and anything that was just unnatural. We also there were we also know that there were a lot of agnostic, um, persons who were part of the founding communities. They were, they were more um, a lot of them were deists. You know, they they believed in some, um, some form of of God of Creator, and and the language reflects that. Yeah, God. Excuse me, I'm dropping stuff <laughs> again. Um, and the language reflects that. And there is also uh, there were there are also writings of preachers, um, during this time who were encouraging the the colonists to revolt. Uh, and they were using the scripture to invoke, uh, God's blessing upon these who were determined to break free of colonial rule. And there were some who were countering that all together, too. So uh, America, while there is some justification to say that there are Judeo-Christian values embedded in our history, we also know that they may have believed, but they didn't fully practice. We know that while they were writing, uh, all men are created equal, <laughs> they, in intentionally stated all men itself for black men are not human they're not fully human so they are not fully equal y- you know and and yet we here we are nearly uh two over 200 years later we're still wrestling with this national identity this crisis of identity and and um matter of factly uh, matter of factly, um, there are, there's a new revisionist historical movement that's happening now with the year 1619, and of course it is 2019. It's 400 years removed um, from uh, 1619, and the argument is that this is The real founding of America because America imported its first African uh, (laughs) non-immigrants. That this is the first time uh, in 1619 that uh, West Africans were um, brought here to these colonies and have resided here in these colonies. Either as indigenous servants or freedmen or slaves for 400 years. And um, the, the, the revisionist uh, movement is trying to portray America as having always been um, <laughs> this type of country, that this has never been a racially equitable country. This has never been a, a uh, gender equitable country. This has never been a um, fiscal equitable country. And so we should not be celebrating uh, any of that. We should be decrying America and its history because America has always been this type of country. And again, those pushing that particular revisionist movement are trying to be, uh, see it in from a more equitable and inclusive and aversive manner. And I I can understand that because, you know, it is true. um, It's true that most of those of us who are um, descendants of American slaves, we know that we didn't come here by choice, (laughs) even if Ben Carmen Ben Carson, Dr. Ben Carson, uh, who was the uh, Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, even though he tried to eloquently restate how we uh, came on this land, (laughs) even though he tried to eloquently restate it, we know many of our ancestors were not free persons. They did not come by choice. Those in the Caribbeans, those in the low country of South Carolina, and and those of us in Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, mm, you know, Arkansas, we 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 are fully aware of that the reality that we are in many cases descendants of American slaves, um, even though. We are now seeing a greater sense of interracial uh, mixed children. We're seeing that. <laughs> and that's, that's a whole different thing. But what we realize is that America, in, in all of its glory, and all of it being the land of the free and the home of the brave, has, has always been a very complicated land. It has been a very complicated country. It is a very complicated country. We are fearing immigrants, but we, in <laughs> in essence, are a land of immigrants. We are a melting pot. We became known as the melting pot, um, uh, pluribus and out of many, one. You know, and uh, we prided ourselves on the fact that our country, if you came, you could basically be anything. You could. Literally, we notice historical stories of families who emigrated to this country with nothing and in some cases even changing their names, changing their identities, but having a skill set that came from their home country that led to generational wealth, whereas we also know that those who came not by choice. <laughs> were not afforded the same opportunities, even after the emancipation of said persons, Uh, even after they were receiving um, the legal status by way of the Constitution, they were still not afforded that opportunity to create generational wealth. And those who did, those communities that did so, we know the story of them, how... uh, here, like in Mississippi, we have to the case of Mount Bayou, which was a, a, a town founded by a black man and a community of all blacks that was thriving, and I mean thriving economically and, 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 and thriving with community. And it was a threat to the white <laughs> establishment who who, unfortunately, helped its demise. And there's just now remnants of that. And we could talk about the race riots of Elaine, Arkansas, or Rosewood, Florida, or many others you can think of that happened and Tulsa you know, Chicago. And we can we can go on. And um so we we, we know the history of America has not been one that is uh pleasant very complex and when i think about it from the perspective of the church um we we know that there were some um white americans who even as the colonies were founded by the puritans and uh, as those first slaves came over they were not so christian and in their approach to discipleship <laughs> and conversion uh they had no real intent of getting uh, those slaves converted for the sake of their soul salvation it was getting them converted for manipulation of their service and in their minds these guys were savages who needed to be converted they needed to be civilized and Christianity was the way of uh, bringing civilization to them, and as many of the black slaves began to take on the orientation of (laughs) what people would call the the slave religion of Christianity, they 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 adapted into their tradition, their their spirituality, their their uh, native. Expressions of spirituality, where it was the dancing, where it was the, uh, the, the singing, the call and response, that grew into spirituals, that grew into gospel, and the revelry of the shouting in the black church. That's not like any other experience, uh, or the preaching of the black preacher, um, that was like none other. I like to say, you know, uh, even as those slaves began to embrace uh, a form of Christianity that was oppressive towards them, they found within the stories of the scripture, especially the stories of the Exodus, the stories where God delivered his people, they found reprise in that they found pride and they found some identity and a connection with them and and it is reflected in the so- the work songs that they sang while they were in the field or in the house and they coded language that they created so that they could so that when they were out in the uh the brush and they were having their own service even while the overseers of the plantation were watching them, waiting for them to get overly excited for a reason to to oppress them physically. And they, they took that and they developed the brand of church that we have now in the African-American uh, Christian religious experience. Now, it wasn't until... Uh, the Methodist movement in the late 18th century, where you had John and Charles Wesley coming to the states, establishing the Methodist Church of America and and the Methodist Episcopal Church, and which was a little more embracing of the idea of an egalitarian church, not necessarily a unified equitable church but at least an egalitarian church where all people can be saved slave or free as scripture says in jesus there is no man no woman no bond nor free that's just jesus however we know and with the story of richard allen and the people at saint george's church in philadelphia that and and not just there but other churches um, yeah and, uh I like outside of that but particularly from A and um that 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 discrimination, that that sense of inequity, that sense of we're egalitarian in spirit only, but not in humanity. And the movement that grew into the African Methodist Episcopal Church and not just that but other Other churches that be eventually became independent in that in those those days. So we we have a history that is as complex as it is, and 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 while it is complex, this we can still see the handiwork of the Creator inside of it, within it, the strains of it. We can still see the amazingness of humanity throughout it and we can still see that even the classes and the the groups and the ethnicities were, that were oppressed were still able to rise and and find their place in America with the Italians you know and and you know Italian now we think about mafia but <laughs> they they were able to rise above and you know do what they do the the Jews They were able to rise above and and become what they have become. And and the Irish, they were able to rise above and become what they have become. And if you be honest with, you know, back in the day, they didn't identify as white folk. They identified with their ethnicity. I am Irish. I am Italian. I am German. I am French. You know. And now, somehow, that's been measured. Well, then that's been meshed in our current mm, state of affairs. Um. So, what does that have to do with the the gun violence and all that? Well, I think we are in in an age, in a day, where the tension of where we are in this present moment. has the the has the possibility of not resonating into further dissonance, but bringing forth a sense of connectiveness connectivity communing community that we're all really longing for. There are those of us who can see some ideas within the socialist platform that, like, yeah, we can, we are in the need of that. You know, there should be some things that all persons, although not, in, I don't like to use the word entitled to, you know, entitled, but all persons should have access to certain things. Now, whether that's health care, whether that's um, reproductive rights, uh... however, you know, whatever that may be, that, that, that's, that's different but on a human level we should all have basic rights and that's a whole different argument who gets you know where rights come from are they god given rights or the government given rights and um <laughs> you you know you can pull a utilitarian argument in there and i don't even want to get into that but the question i mean not the question the the, the the thing is that there is more than unite that unites us than disjoints us and we have opportunity to find that and i and as as i talked about it from the social perspective on the conservative side there are many things that i'm um, uh we find common ground on with the conservative side you know we don't like uh government spending too much and <laughs> we don't like debt <laughs> I, I don't think of anybody who likes debt um we understand that there are cer- certain programs that are just, you know, that the government, we know waste <laughs> a lot. And we, we know that there are certain politicians that we, we just need to get out of office and, uh, because they, they've they been there. They are professional. That is their job. and And it doesn't matter what they don't do or do. The likelihood of them being reelected is always pretty much, you know, on the high side, just because they're incumbent, and people think they're doing something, even if they aren't, yeah you know. so though there are facets of where we are in this process that we can find coming ground. Uh, but and, and i and this is my I don't think we should ever try to be egalitarian. I believe there is a need for equity, equity. And I believe, again, we should recognize diversity now. Again, how far that goes, <laughs> it's a different story, you know. <laughs> if you let some person, you know, when it comes to diversity, I mean, there's a wide spectrum. If you like me, keep the spectrum small. <laughs> I like keeping it simple. <laughs> I don't want it too much. I can't handle too much. Don't don't overwhelm me with all of the spectrums. <laughs> Let's just keep it simple. And however you want to take that is how you take that. <laughs> but but w- there that that there, there will be moments of consensus and, and, and you know, I wrestle personally I wrestle with a lot of stuff that the more I engage persons outside of my um comfort zone and outside of my uh, place you know whatever you want to call it my race my religious experience or my uh social class or all of that anytime i engage persons outside i always come back reflecting on what what should i be taking away from this uh, engagement Everything doesn't require me to change, and everything, every interaction shouldn't be mandated that, okay, we've come to this interaction, and you ought to change. No, it, it doesn't always happen that way, and it shouldn't. You know, anybody saying it should be that way um, clearly has not lived long enough to, <laughs> to know it don't work like that. But there, there are moments when we engage others outside of our parameters of our, our life whatever those parameters may be, that we should always come back questioning, okay, what have I learned? What can I take away? What am I willing to release, relinquish as far as beliefs and practice or ideology uh, that really well, is not as beneficiary, beneficial to me living in covenant with my fellow brother, my fellow sister, my fellow human. And it, you ain't got to be religious for all of this. You, you, you ain't got to be religious. This is about humanity. Finding common ground. And I believe when we find that, what will happen is, we have a greater sense of value for ourselves and for each other. Because I ain't got to agree with everything that I hear, even if it's within the... <laughs> My common sphere of influence, you know, I'm in the church, but I ain't gotta agree with everything a preacher says or a church does, or you know anything like that. That's fine. I've learned. I've learned that that it's okay. And the, and the same thing, you know, when we come to that reality that just because we disagree, it's okay not to, you know, it's okay. It's okay to agree not to disagree or to, to agree. <laughs> To disagree, uh, how however, it however it's framed, uh, it's okay, but that provides opportunities for us to explore why. Why do I uh, see this perspective? What I, what what is the influence that is giving me this? Um, why am I, um, you know, why am I part of the status quo? Why? Do I believe the status quo should be this way or that way or anything like that and, and and it's those hard questions it's those hard questions that help us better engage ourselves and better engage others and the other thing i I think i really i really believe needs because you know i I look at things from a family systems approach um the more Self differentiated that we are, the less emotional reactive we are, the less likely we will cut off folk, the less fused we will be, and probably the less codependent we will be, also. And the more, uh, self idea or eye position, as it's called, you know, we will have a greater. A uh, greater awareness of ourselves within our interpersonal relations at the micro level, with our family of origin, and at the macro level within the greater communities for which we live. So, you know, not just within my immediate family, but within my church family, within my um, uh, my my neighborhood family, within my fraternal family or sorority family, and you know, all of that. And I tell you it's very rewarding it's more rewarding than anything that I could ever think of <laughs> and want to think of but either way, we have a a long way to go, but we've come a long way. We really have America has come a long way, and while it grieves me that we are in this space right now, while it grieves me that as a pastor um my voice is only part of a myriad of voices that are, are out there, and and it's, it's you know some are l- too loud for mine to be heard. Some and uh, some are too are, are too toxic, and and, and, and but at least at least like like now i am putting this out there i'm i'm saying this is possible i'm saying my voice is just as uh, as important and just as powerful as the voice that has the greatest amplifying <laughs> you know is highly amplified but could be more toxic and um my my goal my my role my purpose Is to help others love others. And I threw it through the faith community, particularly through the Christian community with the message of Christ Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Or as some would say, the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And (laughs) however you want to see it. That that is how I embrace this this role that I have this is why I am engaged in advocacy on different in different areas that sometimes um, kind of pushed me and, and pressed me and stretched me. but I understand that uh, it was for Christ that I, I do this it's for Christ and Christ was pushed Christ was pressed. Christ was uh, uh, assassinated. he was killed, he was crucified for me and as a believer in the work of what God did through Jesus of Nazareth and the reward that comes from me by faith receiving that I in turn am able to pour that out to others who I know are in need of the same thing and I don't mind doing it at all I'm grateful I'm, I'm glad to be able to do it because I recognize that as Charles Wesley wrote in um the hymn a charge to keep the have it is a charge to keep I have It's a God to glorify um I must serve this present age it is my calling to fulfill and I will with all my powers engaged do my master's will I'm take a quick break and then um I'm going to come back and say some closing remarks and give you an opportunity to to uh, tell you how we You can be supportive of what we do here on Zero Today. So hold your horses. Be right back.
0: and you've been wanting to know what you can do to make it better, make it higher, get better stuff, get more stuff. Well, we have an answer for you, Evelyn's Credit Evolution. That is the answer that we have for you. Evelyn's Credit Evolution offers you real credit repair that's quick and secure. There's no subscription affiliated with it. You only pay when negative items are removed from your report after joining. There's a one-time fee for lifetime enrollment and $25 for every item deleted. Learn more by visiting myfes.net slash eMecovery. That's myfes.net slash eMCCOVERY. Or give her a call at 662 372 2125. That's Evelyn's Credit Evolution. You'll be glad that you did. Again,
1: welcome to Zero of the Day. Glad that you guys tuned in. This again is Dr. Neil. I want to thank you for um, listening. (laughs) I really do appreciate it. um, Topics like this is is really tough to talk about, and I really didn't want. I really even get to a lot of what I want to say because I'm pressed for time. And um, if I had more time, I I guess I could have made more time. But you know, I didn't want to just start rambling. I wanted to make sure that what I said was meaningful and empowering for uh my listening audience but uh, I appreciate it so in in this last few uh last few moments that we have here together I want to uh show you how Well, tell you how you can support um if you enjoy listening you can always find uh archives of the show we've been doing the show for excuse me for the last nine years at um radio slash zero today you can go there also um it's available on uh Apple tunes for your podcast so uh is that that's what yeah Apple tunes you can get it there also on podcasts yeah Apple podcasts as well as anchor we're now anchor we're gonna be expanding that and uh you can you can download it, subscribe, and listen to all archive shows. Also, you can go to the Facebook page, uh, Zero Network on Facebook. There, and you can see archive shows all the way back to at least 2011, maybe 2010, 2011. I don't know. But you, anyway, we're there, and uh, all your favorite uh, podcast outlets. You can catch it. And if you would like to support us, and we, have, you can become a patron. Go to Patreon.com/slash Lorenzo T. Neal. And you see the different tiers of patient uh where you can get and the benefits of said tier and we really appreciate your support. It's also a PayPal me. Um, simply PayPal me dot um, Lorenzo or slash Lorenzo neil That's capital L, capital N. And those options you can hit. Thank you so much for your support. I am so grateful. I'm glad that you guys are helping us and um feel free to oh yeah email pastor lorenzo Neal at g i'm i'm sorry that's the wrong one it's info dot uh, uh, z e i info dot z m e at gmail that's the that's the new email address for <laughs> info at gmail dot com send your email Commentaries there, uh, suggestions there. If you become a patron, you can actually offer suggestions on titles and topics that we can talk about, and we welcome that. And, uh, but we also welcome your commentary. um, Be sure to dialogue with us. Uh, This will be uploaded. Uh, Like I said, this will be uploaded to the Facebook page, and um, uh, might put it on the patron, uh, Patreon page. I'm not sure just yet, but um. Follow us, like us, subscribe to us, support us, We appreciate you so much. Thank you for joining us, tuning in with us um, and um, bless you. I ran out of stuff to talk about. <laughs> you guys have an amazing day. God
0: bless you.